Welcome to PageCast, a podcast series brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers, aimed to give you the story behind the story. By interviewing the authors responsible for some of your most loved books, we explore the thoughts, ideas, emotions, and creative processes that led to the writing of these books. If you're a reader with a zesty interest in people and stories, do stick around and enjoy what PageCast has to offer. In today's episode of PageCast, seasoned journalist Bongani Bingwa will be interviewing Robin Sharma, who is a globally respected humanitarian and author. They will be chatting about Robin's latest book, The Everyday Hero Manifesto. For over 25 years, leadership legend and personal mastery trailblazer Robin Sharma has mentored billionaires, business titans, professional sports superstars, and entertainment royalty via a revolutionary methodology that has caused them to accomplish amazing results. Now in this groundbreaking book, he makes this transformational system available to anyone ready for undefeatable positivity, monumental productivity, deep spiritual freedom, and a life of helpfulness to many. Enjoy! His books adorn bookshelves, nightstands, car seats, and kitchen tops of people across all ages. The monk who sold his Ferrari, the 5am club, the leader who had no title. Those are just some of the famous books he has written. I'm pleased to tell you he's joining us this morning. Uh, Robin, a very great pleasure to have you on the show. Mugani, it's, it's always a pleasure. And South Africa is, is a nation that's very dear to my heart. So you are very dear to our hearts as well, because, of course, you've been here many times and have spoken in front of thousands of South Africans. I was intrigued as I started reading this new book, uh, The Everyday Hero, and I've got my copyright in front of me. You start off by reminding us about, was it Martin Luther King who said, one of the most important things in life is discovering that for which you would die. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the Everyday Hero Manifesto is really a book about remembering the heroism that lives within each and every one of us. We think of uh, Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa, or Rosa Parks, uh, Albert Einstein as, as famous heroes and celebrated heroes. And yet every single one of us, no matter what we do in the world, we have this bravery, we have this heroism, we have this truth we have this honor deep within us and when you look at the world we live in right now a lot of us are disconnected from that everyday heroism we've we've forgotten who we are and we've forgotten about our talents and so really the book is is not only a wake-up call but it's a it's a guide to help people live their finest lives I love the quote that you attribute uh, to Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who turned 90 just the other day that he said he became a leader by default. Can you tell us why? Well, I'm not, I'm not actually sure why he said that. I had the, uh, the privilege of meeting him in Johannesburg uh, a number of years ago. And that, you know, sometimes we're shaped by a single meeting. And his, his humanity, his decency, his grace, his humility was really inspiring to me. And, and I, I, show, I include the picture of our meeting in one of the last chapters of the book. And it really speaks to the fact that one of the roots to greatness and real heroism is service. 
and finding a cause that's larger than your own life. It's not only the secret to leadership. I think it's a secret to great joy. When we can find something that gets us out of our own selves and makes the lives of other people better, it doesn't have to be big, but it's a great recipe for, for living with greater happiness. Well, in the book, you say that one of the things he recognized was that there was a vacuum of leadership around him, and that's why he had to step up. But if I come back to this idea of the everyday hero, so many of us feel a sense of vacuum in our own lives, around us. Is that because so many times we refuse to step up, we refuse to take up that mantle of leadership? I think so. I mean, we are born into greatness and then too many good souls get resigned into mediocrity. And when we're little kids, we're heroic, we're brave, we're truthful, we're passionate, we're creative, we're curious, we're unrestricted. Well, we're, we're taught to fear. We are taught to play small. We are told you can't live your dreams. We are encouraged to be like everyone else and be part of the crowd. And steadily over time, we forget who we truly are. And then we wake up at 30 or 40 or 50, and we have this angst, this, you, you say, the vacuum. We say, you know what? What happened to my childhood dreams? What happened to the, the things I wanted to do in my life? I've become busy being busy. And so the Everyday Hero Manifesto, it, it really, it's full of tactics and habits and rituals and, and systems and methodologies of the world's most successful people. But also I say in the book, I say, success without soulfulness is an empty victory. And the book is not only about being successful in the world, it's about doing it with soulfulness, which I think is very important. And I suppose also the idea is that anybody can do it because we're not all going to have the impact of a Desmond Dutu, for example, but there are so many of us who can have the impact of one of your heroes in the book, Cora Greenway. Absolutely. I mean, to be heroic doesn't mean you have to launch a movement or change the world. Cora Greenaway, she was my grade five history teacher. And it was a time in my life where no one thought I'd amount to anything. And a lot of people discounted me and a lot of people made fun of me. And she, she, believed, she saw something in me and she encouraged me and she believed in me and she championed me in that whole year in grade five history class. She not only gave me a love of history, she helped me to believe in myself. And as I share in the chapter, you know, a few years ago, I did some research on her. I wondered if she was still alive. It was the last year of her life. And I found that when she was a younger woman, she was actually a member of the Dutch resistance and she would go behind Nazi lines and she would save children who were being taken to death camps. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when I go to South Africa, sometimes I see people doing so-called simple jobs, but they do it with such a smile. They do it with such dignity. They get up at 3.30 in the morning to get to work, but they have grace. They have grace. I, I remember even, if I may share, at the Johannesburg Airport, I walked into the WC and there was a man who was, you know, he welcome to my office in the domestic terminal. Welcome to my office. And it was just, he made everyone smile. He did it with grace. To me, that's a great example of an everyday hero. And we all have that opportunity uh, by installing the right habits, rituals, and ways of being. 
I like your constant reference to the idea of habits because you say genius is not genetics. You can choose to become great. Completely. When we see an Albert Einstein and Elon Musk, a Shakespeare, a Michael Jordan, the the tendency, and actually we're schooled by society and believing they're cut from a different cloth. And yet, genius is less about genetics and more about our daily habits. A, a lot of us, we want a world-class life, but we're not doing the things that creating world-class life demands. And I, I talk in the Everyday Hero Manifesto about so many different habits and so many different belief systems and so many different ways of being. I mean, there's one chapter in the book, The Victim to Hero Leap. And one of the things victims do is they're all about can't and they're all about living in the past and they're all about blaming. If you do that, obviously you're going to stay stuck. So if you look at the so-called geniuses of the world, they... They, they are rigorous in practice. They are absolutely relentless. They surround themselves with the right people, avoid toxicity. They're always optimizing each day. They're doing different things because if we have a story that we can't be great, then we're not going to do the things required to become great. And I suppose it also links in with this idea that there are a lot of people who are full of the theory, but who aren't actually creating anything, the masters of theory and creators of nothing, as you call them. And off, often, Bongani, that's because we're scared. We, 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 we get stuck in reading all the books and watching all the podcasts and we become addicted to learning. And I'm a huge believer in, in daily learning. But ideation without execution is nothing more than delusion. And, you know, there's a chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, the 13 hidden traits of the billionaires I've mentored. One of them is they have a monomaniacal obsession with execution. These people get things done. It's, we live in a world where there's so much talk. I'm going to start the business. I'm going to start the exercise routine. I'm going to join the 5 a.m. club. I'm going to find the love of my life. I'm going to care more about my neighbors. But talk really is very cheap, and I think we can preach a better sermon by our actions than by our words. We are all, I suppose, aware of the idea that not everybody will necessarily criticize us or even doubt what we can do. But one of the most dangerous things I have found in my life are the people who minimize your goals, who minimize your ambition, who make you feel as though what you are setting out to do is not that important. Being an everyday hero is not that important. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Cynics are heartbroken dreamers. As little kids, we all had dreams. And it's a lot easier to say, Bongani, you have a dream, I'm going to minimize you. Or they could even do it in more elegant terms. Well, it wouldn't work. That's not possible. That's not practical. But that's really just their stuff. It's a reflection of their disbelief. And one of the things I really focus on in the book is every visionary is initially ridiculed before they're revered. So if you've got a dream or an idea or a business idea or a life goal where people are laughing at you, it's probably a very good goal. It's really important to remember that other people's opinions are just their opinions. 
And any person who had a great idea, they were mocked by the crowd until they did their dream, became a success, and then everyone said, oh, of course, I could have thought about that as well. You talk, of course, about the book that you are most known for, I would guess, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. In this book, you talk about the process to get that published. But even when you thought you had finally got that breakthrough, uh, you eventually sold it for seven and a half thousand dollars. How did that moment not make you give up, but allow you to see it as the breakthrough it really actually was? Well, I don't, I don't mind that it was sold for $7,500. In that chapter, uh, early chapter of the book, what I was sharing was my journey. I mean, I was laughed at when I, when I wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I took it to a, an independent editor because it was self-published in a 24-hour coffee shop. The editor said it was garbage. I went to, I shared in that chapter, I went to a very famous author who gave me, you know, half an hour of his time. He basically said, you know, writing books is a very difficult field. You're a lawyer. Don't take the risk. Stick with what's comfortable. And I think part of the takeaway is instinct is so much more powerful than our intellect. And if we start to trust ourselves and trust the knowing we all have, often we're disconnected from it. But if we start trusting our knowing, trusting our instinct, it will lead us to the most interesting of places because I really was discouraged. No one thought anyone would read The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I stayed with it. I got knocked down. I got back up. And, you know, the book, the success of the book really changed my life and opened up a whole new life for me. And I, I, that wouldn't have happened if I'd listened to the, the chattering voices of the critics and the people who just discounted me. I could say, but you're Robin Sharma. You come across to me as when I read your words, when I've heard you speak, you have this innate tenacity. You've got this grit. You are really a believer in your ideas and, and, and what you can do. Um, not every one of us is like that. The idea of an everyday hero manifesto creates unrealistic expectations. We, we, I appreciate your, your, your thought. Bongani, we, are, we all have this ability. You say, oh, you're Robin Sharma. It's so easy to put someone up on a pedestal and say, oh, you're, you're special. Or what? I, I'm not special at all. I grew up in, in a town of about 2,500 people. I've struggled through many parts of my life. I write about a lot of my tragedies in the Everyday Hero Manifesto. I've had good times. I've had very very hard times. Even now I face resistance. I face rejection. I face people who don't understand what I'm trying to do. I face cynics. So I'm no one special, but you talk about my relentlessness. Relentlessness and persistency is a muscle that is trained. And the more you do difficult things, the stronger your willpower grows. And the more you find a mission that you really would die for, to paraphrase Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, the more you, you have no choice but to continue doing what you do. I mean, I write these books not for fame and fortune. I write these books because I very, very much believe in the power of every human being to do amazing things. So when you say, you know, but you're special, that's the story that too many people are saying. You're, you know, Elon Musk is special and Oprah Winfrey is special and, you know, so-and-so is special. The very 
journey of heroism is ordinary people who got an idea and for whatever reason installed the habits and the pers- and stayed true to themselves until their vision became real and then the world celebrated them as heroes. What if the only way to be safe in a world that doesn't embrace us is to hide our Buddha? What if that's all I'm doing? Okay, so you're talking about the chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto about the Golden Buddha, which is, I think, a very good metaphor for human beings. And I'll just quickly go through the story. So uh, it's a true story. Many years ago in Thailand, there was um, a Golden Buddha. It was priceless. It was revered by the monks. Uh, Foreign invaders were coming into the country. So the monks said, we have to figure out how to prevent the Golden Buddha from being taken. They decided to put layer and layer and layer of mud and clay over it. The invaders came in. They didn't see the Golden Buddha. Uh, Years later, a monk was walking by and he saw this flash of gold peeking out from the mud. So he started moving through layer and layer and layer and more and more of the gold appeared and eventually they realized it was this priceless treasure. I truly believe that human beings are like that. We have this gold and it could be it could be talent, it could be wisdom, we all have this truth, we all have this bravery. And as we do the work through prayer, meditation, all the different systems I talk about in the Everyday Era Manifesto, we move through the layers of fear, doubt, disbelief that we've picked up, and we start to remember who we, who we truly are. So you say, well, what if, we, what if in, a, in an unsafe world, what if we hide? We can do whatever we want to do. But I know one thing for sure. If we hide our glory, if we are afraid to take risks and chase our dreams and our aspirations and be our truest self, we will arrive on the last hour of our last day and say, I spent my best years watching television in a subdivision. What did I do with my potential? I think that's the greatest of all human heartbreaks. That is absolutely uh, incredible. Is, is, is timing a factor at all in terms of when you can shine, when you can find yourself? You can shine today. I'm here in Rome. I can walk out to a monument, look at the, the glory of what the ancient Romans built and be inspired in a world that needs inspiration. You and I can walk out onto the streets of where we are and give a compliment to a stranger or just smile. You and I can pick up a book, watch a podcast, listen to your inter- one of your interviews, and get a new idea and grow. And in doing so, leave the people we were yesterday. We, we can shine. We can be at work. And rather than giving 50%, we can give 100% and therefore honor our employer or honor our customer or honor the dignity of our labor. Every single day, there's a chance to do little acts of bravery and everyday heroism that allow us to shine. And if every day, in small micro acts, we practice being braver, kinder, stronger, more excellent, over time, we recreate ourselves to to become the highest versions of our greatest vision. Why was your dad the greatest influence of your life? Well, he still is. I mean, he's, he's, I think, 80, he's 84. And he was a family doctor, Bongani, for 54 years. He actually, um, I, I was born in East Africa, and he, he, he left India and moved to Africa. And um, 
he just he's he's the philosopher in the family. He filled our home with books. He he would share things like, you know, po- a poem of Rabindranath Tagore. Um, you know, spring has passed, summer is gone, and the song that I meant to sing remains unsung, for I have spent my days stringing my instrument. He'd share phrases like, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. Son, live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. So he, he gave me a love of books. He talked so much about service. He talked about being humble and simple. You know, he's just a, a wonderful mentor and an incredible, incredibly great father. I'm going to be naughty um, and, and push you on this because you don't talk about it in the book. <laughs> but why did he upset Idi Amin? Oh, okay. So um, I don't know the whole story. He and my mother were in a Jeep going through some part of Uganda. And Idi Amin was coming with his soldiers in the opposite direction on a very thin road. And my dad just said, he didn't know who this was. And he's going to say, you know, he was young and full of strength and power and, you know, enthusiasm. He was going to say to this person, like, why are you blocking me? And my mom said, you know, that's what you mean. And uh, pretty interesting encounter. That's absolutely fascinating. But one of the thoughts I had as I was reading this book was the words that we use, the power of words. And I was reminded of, um, I was reminded of Maya Angelou, who talked about words being things that were alive in a sense, right? Um, the power of the words we use, not only about our surroundings, but also about ourselves, to ourselves. That's that's huge in terms of its potential impact on us. In, in, incredibly so. I mean, that chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto is about um, it's about what you speak is determines what you become. And in that chapter, I talk about look at our look at our world right now. We say if you did well in a presentation, we'll say you murdered it, you killed it. If you've got cool clothes, you say, that looks sick. Uh, If you, you know, we have all these words, but words do have power. Words do have energy. If you look at a Nelson Mandela or Archbishop Desmond Tutu or or Martin Luther King Jr. or any of the movement makers who have graced the planet, Really, it was through the power of their words that they electrified their followers. So, yes, the words we use to the people around us, especially our children, for example, are like seeds that plant identities. But you're absolutely right. Even more importantly, it's the words we use to ourselves. I mean, we, we are our own worst enemies. We, our self-identity shapes our daily behavior. And so we wonder why we don't live soaring lives. How are we talking to ourselves? How are we creating the way we see ourselves? We're saying, you're never good enough. Well, you know what? I'm not lucky. Good things happen to other people, not me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not hot enough. I don't have enough Facebook followers or Instagram followers. And we beat ourselves up every single day. And we wonder why we don't go out there and do the amazing things we feel we're capable of. I love the story you share about rejection, about J.K. Rowling, who uh, submitted a book to a publisher under a pseudonym, having sold a billion books 
and was rejected because the publisher didn't know it was J.K. Rowling, right? Someone else's opinion is just someone else's opinion. And I, I really appreciate the research and the, the fact you've read the book. So in that chapter, was what, I, what I learned from J.K. Rowling. And, you know, you're right. She was, she was a single mother. She, she grew up with very hard economic times. I, I believe she, she suffered from depression at certain times on the death of her mother. She came up with this idea of uh, a child, a boy wizard uh, on a delayed train from Manchester to London. Uh, she was rejected by so many publishers. She was asked to change her name. And all of a sudden she, be, she, she becomes, you know, the author of Harry Potter. And you're right. She then <laughs> writes another book under the pseudonym I, met, I mentioned in the book. She sends it out to all these publishers, but they said, you know what? Maybe you should join a writing group. They say it to J.K. Rowling, maybe you should join a writing group and maybe you'll be able to sell some more books. I think the point is when you have a vision for a project or some kind of masterwork or a new business or a new relationship or a new fitness routine, trust yourself, do it. Don't listen to the disbelievers. I think you can change the world or you can listen to critics, but you can't do both. I think my take out from that story, because it was such a powerful illustration, that somebody, a successful author, possibly the most successful author around today, could be rejected. The world, in a sense, is engineered to say no. But the fact that somebody says no doesn't mean they're right. Well, if you look at any success story, it is, a, it is a journey of overcoming rejection and relentless failure. I think failure is the price of greatness. We all want the rewards of success, but too many good souls are not willing to pay the price of success. And, you know, you, it's, failure is the highway to living, living your best life. And you talk about rejection, oh, how much of our lives we lose because we are afraid of rejection. I think one of the most wonderful habits to develop is armor plating ourselves not to be slowed down by rejection. We've all lived through this terrible time of a global pandemic and I thought your message about health, guarding your health uh, as if you're a professional athlete was particularly timely. Well, one of the ways to battle-proof ourselves against stress, volatility, and a world with increasing disruption is, is get, get fit like an elite athlete, like a pro athlete. And that, there's a model in that chapter of The Everyday Hero called the Trinity of Radiant Vitality. And that model really explains how anyone can become fit like a professional athlete. I talk about my experiences with intermittent fasting. I talk about the importance of rest and recovery. I talk about supplementation because our bodies cannot produce a lot of what we need. I talk about um, meditation and prayer to reduce inflammation. But the larger point is there's an idea I talk about in that chapter, which is health is the crown on the well person's head that only the old person can see. And once we start the process of getting really fit, we become stronger at work. We become more creative. We have more energy, we live longer, and, and difficulty bothers us far less because we're much stronger physically. 
Benjamin Franklin said, experience is the best teacher and a fool will learn no from no other. Tell me about a teacher called trauma. Okay, that, that's, I think, a pretty deep chapter in the book. A lot of people don't talk about trauma. I think trauma is incredibly important for us to understand as human beings because I believe it's trauma that actually blocks us from greatness, creativity, productivity, and happiness. Long story short, as we, as we advance past the perfection of childhood, every one of us picks up micro-trauma or macro-trauma. Macro-trauma would be abuse, car accidents, illness, those kinds of really heavy life circumstances that fill us with trauma. Or it could be micro-trauma, get cut off in you know, traffic, uh, someone at work is upset with you, micro-trauma. Our society tells us, swallow it, ignore it, be happy, 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 happy. And what we do is it becomes repressed. We pick more of it up as we go through life. We then have what Carl Jung, the great psychologist, called this shadow. And it's the shadow that's almost like a block to our greatness, our genius, and our everyday heroism. And so we read these books, we go to courses, we have these mentors, we learn the ideas intellectually, but we're at war because emotionally we're full of shame, guilt, anger, sadness. So that chapter, the teacher is a trauma, is how do you actually work through your trauma that you've picked up so you release those darker emotions, automatically you then become more creative, more productive, more energetic, healthier, happier. Did you always know? You talk in your book about... A master never thinks that they're a master. Did you always know? Did I always know um, what? Did you always know that you could become the person that we all know you to be today? Not that at you all. have mastery over all of your desires and your influence and your impact? Well, I wish, I wish that was the case, my friend. I, I wish I had mastery over all my desires. I'm, I'm on a, a lifetime journey, but I've come farther than I was 20 years ago. But I, I would say I, I, I never I, – I put it this way. I still think I'm a very ordinary person because I really am a very ordinary person. And um, – I have a long way to go. I have a lot to learn. I still have a lot of weaknesses, but I've come farther. I've come a long way through all my inner work over the many years. What's a low point for you? What's a bad day for Robin Sharma? I think a bad day is feeling bad. I think a bad day is, you know, something happens and and it hurts you or discourages you. Uh, a bad day for me is, you know, I'm human. Something doesn't go the way I wanted it to, or if someone's impolite for no reason, I don't think there's ever a reason for anyone to be impolite. But, or if I'm mistreated, it might not ruin my day, but it, it'll hurt me because I'm a sensitive person and I believe I'm caring. But I, I have a lot, of the, a lot of modalities to help me move through it and rebound very quickly. I might write about how I'm feeling in my journal. I might go for a nature walk. I might pray or meditate. I might do a workout. I might, you know, sit in solitude. I might read, you know, a book like I read this morning, The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman emperor. So there are so many different ways to recover from a bad day. And um, I can move through, move through difficult things pretty quickly. 
And finally, to anybody listening to us who thinks this manifesto is something I need in my life, how do I get started? Do I just pick up this book? Uh, what do I do? Sure. I think anyone, I mean, the Everyday Hero Manifesto is for someone who says, I just know there's so much more in my life and I really want to do amazing things with my life and I want to feel a lot happier and I want to feel that soaring spirit that I felt when I was a little kid and I thought everything was possible. And the book is full of neurochemistry and methods and habits and tactics. Um, So I'd say, yes, read the book and then take action on the book. I, I, I wrote the book with a lot of love. I poured so much information into it, but it's, it's really the daily application of the ideas in the book that will make our ambitions real. And I think that's really important to remember, which is a lot of us say, well, you know, how do I do it? It's, was it Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu, the journey, the thousand mile journey begins with a single step. Yeah. And in the book I say, right. And in the book I say small daily, seemingly insignificant improvements when done consistently over time lead to stunning results. Just make little wins every day. And those little wins will stack into a tsunami of improvement over the coming weeks, months, and years. Robin Sharma, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and for talking to us. This book is part memoir on a life richly lived, part instruction manual for virtuoso-grade performance, and part handbook for spiritual freedom in an age of high-velocity change. The Everyday Hero Manifesto will completely transform your life forever. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of PageCast. We have an incredible lineup of author interviews, so head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow Jonathan Ball Publishers to stay updated and in the know regarding future episodes. Thank-